Welcome back to part six in this series with winemaker and co-owner of Cedar Rose Winery in South Jersey, Dustin Tarpine. And don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe for upcoming featured wineries in the series. So the do not miss wines, I would say, would be Cabernet Franc, um, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Blau Francish would probably be the three, and they're all reds. Those would be the three that I would say, make sure you try those wines. Um, those would be the ones that I would think I would have the best chance of impressing someone who's used to drinking really, really good wines. Um, just because they, the other thing is too, is that they they tend to be the most consistent. Well, Black Francish is, is kind of consistent, but Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, six or probably seven out of 10 years, you're going to make a good wine. You know, there's going to be Cap Sauvignon in the really, really wet years. You're probably not going to be able to make a great wine. Um, and Cab Franc is a little more dependable. But out of everything on our list, those are, you know, if you were to just come in here on, in any random year with any random vintage, if those were on the list, I would I like to think that those would be the ones I would recommend to somebody. One of the wines that came out, actually, it's funny because I was kind of busting on blueberry wines earlier, but one of the wines that came out, unexpectedly good was our blueberry wine that we just made this year. Yeah, I've, I've never, I never made, I made blueberry wine one other time, but I never made a full size batch. And we finally, it, it was a big hit with everybody. Um, and we actually get, we get our, we, we do it with real fruit and we get our fruit from Datavio farms in Vineland and, and they actually grow organic blueberries. So it's actually organic blueberry wine, a wine made from organic blueberries. Um, but we make it, we make it a little bit, less sweet than you would find at most of the other places that make blueberry. And it, it was something that I, it was actually the quickest one I've ever made. It only took me two months to make it. We, from the day that I crushed it to the day that we bottled it was like almost two months exactly, which is incredibly fast for any, any wine really. But what I learned in the process is that when you make fruit wines, that's kind of what you want to do because they don't really age well. You know, what you, the, the good thing about a fruit wine or the aspects of a fruit wine that I think you want to really showcase are the, the fruit character, obviously, and, and the freshness. So I, I figured out in that process that making fruit wines quickly is actually really beneficial because you end up, because this wine, I've had a lot of blueberry wines, um, just at other places and I've tasted them and, 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 you know, generally they're, they're usually made with concentrates or they're made with juice. They're not always, not usually made with fruit. And the ones that I have had that are made with fruit, they were kind of lacking blueberry character. And even like the last one that I the first one I made didn't have a whole lot of blueberry character to it. But like this thing, when you open it up, it's just, it's like, I mean, it's almost like you, there's a bunch of crushed up blueberries. I mean, I guess literally there are a bunch of crushed up blueberries in there, but it's actually, I mean, it is so blueberry. Like, I mean, it is so fresh and so representative of exactly what I wanted it to be. It's just, I just was really impressed with the amount of blueberry character. Like it is just so much like the essence of blueberry. And I don't really, I'm not, a, I don't really drink sweet wines normally, but I will drink that wine <laughs> just because it's, it's just, there's something that's just, it's just excellent. I mean, it's just, it's exactly what I wanted, which is, which rarely happens. Me and my wife try to do one wine trail a year, just mainly 
just to see what everybody else is doing, honestly. I mean, and it's also something we like doing. I mean, I, you know, I didn't get into this industry because I don't like it. You know, we, we do like going around to, to other wineries and seeing what everyone's doing. And it's cool, too, because we know most of the people. So then we get to hang out with them and show us around and show us what's going on. So it's always, always a really fun thing to do. But, yeah, we try to do it once a year and just, just to check it out. Um, we went up to the Finger Lakes a couple of years ago for a trip. That was cool. I really want to get down to Virginia and check out their scene down there because I know that um, the Virginia wine scene is just blown up and uh, they're producing some absolutely phenomenal wines down there. And I, I, I've had some here and there, like at different events and things where they've had some, but I, I've never gone down into Virginia and actually tasted through their wines uh, at wineries. And uh, that's why I really would like to spend some time doing that. Yeah, it's just really difficult just because, you know, the same days that everyone else is open is the same days that we're open. So we're working. And my wife works as our tasting room manager. So, uh, you know, basically I'm working the entire week. And then, you know, we just uh, we've got a, we've got a little one at home, 16 months. So he's uh, is basically I've got him on the weekend and then Katie goes into work and then she has him during the week. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been tough to, to find any time, but, uh, I mean, I knew what I was signing up for. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't no know doubt. if Katie knew what she was signing up for or not. <laughs> Katie, Katie probably didn't know what she was signing up for, but she, she understands it now. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's crazy because we, we do still work a lot, but in comparison to how much we were working at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, things have gotten things have, have have eased up a lot. I mean, we're doing, we're still doing a lot of work. It's just, it's just different. It's a different kind of work. You know, it's not just going out and pruning for, you know, 80 hours a week or, or whatever we were doing or, you know, planting it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more strategy. It's more, it's more trying to figure things out than really doing things. It's just trying to figure out how to do things and what needs to be done. Cause it just, I don't know, you get to a point where that no longer becomes evident. You know, it's, it's easy in the beginning to know what you have to do, especially with the vineyard. Cause it's just like, okay, well, if I don't, if I don't uh, go put herbicide out and the weed's going to grow up and everything's going to look like crap. And then, you know, the vines are not going to be healthy. If I don't spray, they're going to get disease. We're not going to have any fruit. You know, it's very, it's kind of right in front of you as to what needs to get done. But once, once I moved into here and started figuring, trying to figure out how to make this winery successful, uh, it just, it, things got a lot different. Like I don't, you know, I'm not 80 hours out in the field anymore, but I'm in my head constantly (laughs) trying to figure out what we're going to do or how we're going to do this or what's the next move. You know, should we be doing these festivals? Should I be you know, do, should we be doing more marketing? Can, can I create some more marketing? I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we were, we were literally working seven days a week, 16 hours a day back in 2000. No, I mean, 2015, 2014, 2016, those days. I mean, we were working like crazy people. I mean, we had, uh, we, you know, we had, like I was working at Bellevue until 2015. So we had other jobs as well. So we would work all 40 hours a week, for our employers and then work an additional 40 hours a week getting this vineyard up and running. And so it's, you know, things have changed a lot since then, but it's just, uh, it's just different. It's different. Yeah. It's almost more frustrating. Some days, some days I wish I could just go out in the vineyard and just sit there and bring for for eight hours. I'm sure <laughs> it would just be, you know, there's a certain sort of like certain sort of peace that's out there that you just like, you're, you know, once, once you learn to resign yourself to it, 
and you could just say, all right, well, this is where I'm going to be for the next eight hours. You just throw some headphones in and just cruise. You know, it's, it's, it's such a different world than being in here and, and getting phone calls and dealing with regulatory stuff and making sure that we're not, that we're following all the rules and making sure that everybody's happy. And that, you know, it's just, it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a different animal, you know, and it's, it's something that that part of it, I think has taken more adjusting than almost anything because it was, like I said, it was easy and straightforward to just work, you yeah. know, when, when all we had to do was just work, it was like, all right, we can do this. But now it's like, no, no, you can work as hard as you want and as many hours as you want, but if you're not doing the right thing, it's not going to help you. The biggest thing is to make sure that where you're that, that where you're going is going to match what you're looking for. I think is a big thing. So I mean, I always I would always recommend somebody before you go to a winery check out their wine list. Most of them have it online, um, but definitely go on there, read about the winery a little bit, um, read about the wine list, and and see you know what the makeup looks like. Is it fifty percent sweet fruit wines? Is it you know seventy five percent dry wines? And then make sure that that matches up to what you're what you're looking for. Cause I mean, I've had, you know, when we, when we first opened, we only had like two sweet wines and like 10 or 12 dry wines. And like people came here expecting what most other wineries in New Jersey have, which would be like 75% sweet wine and 25% dry wines. And we had a lot of people who were not real happy with us in the beginning because they just, they, they, they thought they, that we were going to have the same thing that everyone else was going to have. And it didn't actually look and then they got there and they're like, oh, you only have two sweet ones. It's like, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of what we're doing. So, I mean, that would be my, for, for the, for the, the neophyte, I would say absolutely always, you know, make sure that, you know, if you know what your tastes are, um, you know, make sure that you're going somewhere that matches that. But even in general, I mean, if it's someone who's really honestly into getting into the world of wine, there's a lot of people who start out drinking sweet wines and they slowly transition over to the drier stuff and then they learn more about it and they get into it. And I just think the biggest thing, and even for the aficionado, the biggest thing is just being open-minded. I mean, you know, don't go into a winery with an idea of what you like already, you know, know kind of what your preferences are, but don't be like, Oh, I don't like Merlot. And it's like, okay, well, like how many Merlots have you had really? Like, have you had 150 different Merlots from all over the world? You know, it's not like, you know, just be open-minded and, and, and don't try to put this like mental stamp on the wine before it actually enters your mouth. You know, don't, don't sit there and, and, and think that try to already determine that you do or do not like something before you taste it. Because it's something I've poured wine for thousands of people at these festivals and stuff. And you just see that like, there's so many people who already decided what they thought about the wine before they tasted it. And you can tell that they didn't actually genuinely even really taste it. They just, they, they had an idea what they thought it was going to taste like, whether or not they were going to like it. They swirl it around and fire it back. And then they say they didn't like it. And it's like, well, you, one, you didn't really even taste it. And, you know, so it's just, you know, be very open-minded and try different stuff. You know, I mean, just because you just drink sweet wines, you know, if someone, if you, if you've got a good person doing pouring wine for you, you know, they'll recommend stuff and, and always ask them. You know, uh, generally the people working in wineries are super nice people and, and usually they're super knowledgeable too, for the most part, because they're, they're, you know, most of these people are, are, you know, uh, they're into it themselves. You know, they're into, they're into wine themselves. 
So as far as our wines, the, the biggest the biggest thing I mean that I try to tell people from you know about our wines, the, the the first and foremost thing is that we do not bring any fruit in at all from out of state. Um, and it's kind of a little, probably a little dark secret in the industry. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of fruit produced in New Jersey and there's more wine made than is fruit available. So, and also sometimes to buy fruit here, it's actually more expensive. So a lot of people will source fruit from out of state, unfortunately. Um, but it's, it's, it's a necessity in certain circumstances. And if the wine's good and your customers don't care, I mean, I've got nothing against it, but for us, when we were getting into this industry, the whole point for us was to be able to prove to the wine world that we can make world-class wines in New Jersey, that we can grow world-class wines in New Jersey. And, you know, you can't ever prove that point if you're constantly bringing fruit in from somewhere else. You know, if if 25% of your wines have California, you know, or 25% of a given wine is California wine blended into it, you know, and, and any, any sort of critic who you're trying to convince, they're just going to say, Oh, well, you've got 25% of this wine. That's why, you know, that's why it's so good, whatever. Um, so, so big, a huge, our whole main philosophy is that one, we're not going to bring any fruit in from out of state. It's all going to be Jersey grown and most of it's going to be grown right here on our vineyards. So we, we produce about 90, probably 95% of the fruit that goes into our wines comes from this vineyard here. And then um, occasionally, because we do have access to a lot of other fruit through the VineTech arm of the business, um, we will talk to some of our clients um, if they have an exceptional year or the fruit's exceptional for some reason, um, we will take a little bit and buy some fruit from our clients. And then uh, we'll make what we call a single vineyard version of that wine. So we'll we'll highlight uh, the owner and the, and the vineyard and... Um, make it wine strictly made from that vineyard, which is a really fun thing to do. That's because, cool. You know, That's like, really from, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so the one wine we do that with yearly is called, uh, Ashenfelter vineyards. And so the owner, the owner's name is Orly Ashenfelter. And he, um, basically he's kind of a big deal in the wine world. He, he's an economist who, and he was, he was actually one of the guys in charge of putting together this judgment of Princeton, but he's an economist that back in the eighties, he, he created a, a model that, um, was more accurate at predicting the eventual price of Bordeaux, uh, Bordeaux futures wines. So like wines that were sold basically before the wines were bottled. Um, he made a model that was better at predicting, uh, the price of these wines than the experts were. So it used to be that like guys like Robert Parker from wine enthusiasts and these people would go over and just taste the wines and they're in their expert opinion, they would say, this is how much this wine is worth. And then they would sell it at that price. And then, but what, what Orly did is he, he made this model that takes into account all of the weather and temperature and rainfall, growing degree days and light and all this stuff and feeds it into a model that then, predicts the price and he was way way more accurate than than these other people and so he kind of i guess he he made some enemies but he also became kind of famous in the wine world for for doing this um but his orly ashenfelter it's, it's one of our client vineyards he 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 believed in new jersey viticulture and new jersey wine so much that he just he literally bought a property and had us install and manage a vineyard for him there so he really literally, literally put his money where his mouth was. Um, but he's a great guy. And um, the very first vintage, it didn't have anything to do with their fruit. So we ended up making it. And that was the first uh, Ashenfelter uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. 
And uh, since it came out so good, and he's a great marketer, he goes around and shows it to everybody he knows and everything. So we make it every year now. So we every year that we can, that the fruit's good enough, um, we'll make this single vineyard Ashenfelter uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. But it's super cool for customers because his vineyard's like almost it's like East Vineland, so it's, it's about 20 minutes from us. Um, but the, the 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 makeup of the clones of Cab Sauvignon that are in there are they're all California derived clones of Cab Sauvignon, whereas our vineyard here, um, they're all French derived Bordeaux Bordeaux derived clones of Cabernet Sauvignon. So even though the vineyards are only 20 minutes apart, if you taste the two uh, made from any given vintage, they are drastically different. And it's it's one of those things, like I said, just the truth in in winemaking is just it's just so authentic that you put it in a different spot, 20 minutes away. You use different clones, you grow it slightly differently, and now you have a totally different product. And it's just there's there's that 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 is so cool to me to be able to just crack those bottles and pour the glasses next to each other, and you know they were picked you know the same year, probably a couple weeks away from each other, and uh, they're just they're just so different. You know they're just so different. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen.